Do you like all things spooky? How about chilling stories that have you reaching for the covers? In this podcast, we're going under the covers to delve into all things from chilling haunts to your worst nightmares. I'm Morgan. And I'm Emily. And this is why we don't Don't sleep sleep alone. alone. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, doing. I'm here existing. How was your week? It's been one of those weeks. <laughs> I only ranted you to you in the car for like. It wasn't that long. Are you sure? It felt like a long time. I felt no, so bad. You ranted for maybe like 10 minutes, like at most. Like it was not a long time because as you were in the middle of ranting, I was like, I'm about to be at the dance studio. I'm about to start rehearsal. Like I'm going to have to cut her off in the middle of her rant. And I started I stressing like, out about it. I don't want to, like, tell her all my baggage, but, like, god damn it. So thank you for listening to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. I got you. So what do you have on the table for us today? Uh, So today we're going to be going over murder. (laughs) Murder. Murder. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to be a lot less lighthearted than that laugh. (laughs) Um, It's the murder of Karina Holmer. Let's just hop right in. So, Karina Homer was 20 years old and grew up in Skilling Yard, which is about 150 miles southwest from Stockholm in Sweden. Cool. And she apparently liked to play the lottery, and one time she won, and she actually got $1,500 off of that scratch-off ticket. Mm-hmm. With that money, she decided she was going to finally fulfill her dream of going to the U.S., So, with only having $1,500, that's not enough to just, like, live in the U.S. Yeah. (laughs) This did happen back in 1996. So, you know, this is, like, a while ago, but still, even back then, like... It was still pretty expensive. And she was looking to live in, like, Boston, which is a big city, you know? Yeah. You're not going to make enough money, you Mm -hmm. know? She knew she was going to have to get a job. So the perfect job for someone overseas coming here is to be an au pair. Um, And the family that she ended up getting placed with was the Rapp family in Dover, Massachusetts. What is an au pair? So an au pair, it's like, from what I found, it's kind of like a nanny almost, but there's more of like a cultural exchange going on. So they... Usually we'll work with like some type of company that will place them in certain families. And so they live with that family. They nanny the kids of that family. So it's like an extensive process. It's not just some like foreign person coming into your home. Right. But it's not not just called a nanny because there is like the cultural exchange of they are from. And they usually like live with them too. Yes. Like they're like in-house. They're like all the time pretty much. Yeah, exactly. They just live there and they take care of the kids. They take care of cleaning the house, kind of stuff like that. You know, all just like general things. Cool. The family was very well off. Uh, The wife was a professor and an artist. Got some good things going on over there. Mm -hmm. And then the husband, uh, Frank Rapp, was a photographer. And he actually made enough to own a loft in Boston and like made it his photography studio. This family was super well off. Like I said, they were from Dover, Massachusetts. The Upper East Side. Yeah. 
they were kind of bougie, which is why they could have a loft in Boston and also have this huge house and also afford an, an au pair. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not cheap. No. I mean, you're paying like that person to live with you, you know? The thing about the loft is that since both parents were like kind of home on the weekends and like they weren't going to do a whole lot, mm-hmm. they would actually let Karina live in the loft on the weekends. So they'd be oh, like, oh, okay. we're home, you know, like we don't need you watching the kids or anything. Like you can live in the loft, you go know. Go get some alone time. Yeah, it's closer cool. to the nightlife where you mm-hmm. can go out clubbing and drinking and like. All that kind of fun stuff. It made it nice for her, which still is kind of, like, odd. Because normally, like we were saying earlier, au pairs live with their host families. Yeah. So for her to just... Be living on her own. Yes. Hmm. Well, they're still, like, supplying it, paying her, and, like, all that kind of stuff. is a little different a little weird yeah but does, not necessarily like a red flag i right. guess it doesn't normally happen but again they're rich and who knows maybe you know the rap family they don't want her there on the weekends because yeah, they want, want some alone time yes, just like mm-hmm. alone family time i don't know you know to each their own <laughs> i knew wrote. you were gonna say that i, I always say that <laughs> It's because, you know, we all have different tastes and things yeah. like that. So, to each know. their own. Yeah, whatever floats your boat, right? Mm-hmm. For a while, things were great. She was working, she was making friends and exploring, and there was, like, a bunch of other au pairs in the area with it being rich and stuff like that. She was, like, able to connect with other au pairs in the area as mm-hmm. well to kind of just, like, make connections. You know what I mean? Like, meeting someone where you're like, oh, you're also an au pair, you know? Yeah. It's easy to have. It'd be like, nice to have that, like, let's relate for a second. <laughs> right. Things were fine. And she would regularly write home to let her family know she was doing well and, like, her friends and stuff like that. But then towards the end of her trip, the letters seemed to be getting, like, more and more sinister mm. as if something bad was going on. And she even wrote saying that she was thinking about coming home earlier than she had originally planned. Hmm. Yeah. So that's weird for a girl whose like lifelong dream has been to, I want to go to America and, you know, live out the American dream. That just seems really odd. Yeah. And so even one of her last letters was to her friend. She wrote saying something terrible has happened. I cannot tell you right now what it is, but I will tell you when I get home. It's very... Yeah. unsettling yeah exactly. <laughs> to say the least you know and in like the fact that like she wouldn't even write it out yeah is kind of what makes me feel like someone was like watching her yes right you know what i mean to be like mm-hmm. i'll tell you in person where there's no paper trail yeah kind of weird kind of makes me uncomfortable that uh, is definitely a it's not a red flag it's a pink flag nope that's a red flag that is definitely a red flag <laughs> she said it's not a red flag it's a pink flag no 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 it's definitely it's a definitely red a red flag yeah no i'm like trying to like put myself in that situation if i read someone like a letter that like you or like my sister had written mm-hmm. your girl would be hopping on a plane <laughs> and yeah. being like you good do i need to come bail you out of jail yeah like, what, what what needs to happen i'm not gonna wait for these letters i'm here 
right now Mm -hmm. for you. On the plane. What's going on? Right now. Despite this uh, ominous letter, to say the least, Mm -hmm. Karina just kept doing what she was doing, what she came to America to do. Uh, Her life was pretty normal, and she was just taking care of the children and working at the wrap house during the week and partying on the city on the weekends. So even though she sent that, like, red flag of a letter, Mm -hmm. she's just, she's still going out. She's still doing her own thing. Like, yeah, apparently it's not that bad, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she might also just have, like, a really stubborn personality. Like, I know how I am to where I'm like... If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just I'm, to see it through. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, oh, I'm going to do this and then not do it. And then people will be like, oh, Emily doesn't follow through with stuff. Like, no. <laughs> I do follow through. I'm going to follow through. I'm a follow througher. Like, maybe by the time it gets to it, I won't want to follow through with it. But guess what? <laughs> I'm going to follow through with it just for the principle. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's just. Yes. It's a good principle to have. It is. But I didn't think, like, I wouldn't expect you to still be clubbing, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of weird that she just kind of was just like, yeah, yeah, something really bad is happening. And then all of a sudden she's just like, meh. I mean, it ain't that bad. Right. But, I mean, what we do have to keep in mind is that, like, the summer solstice is coming up. And the summer solstice is this big thing in Sweden where it's the longest day of sunlight in the year. Mm-hmm. So it's about 18 hours of sunlight in Jeez. one day, which is like a really, really big deal to them over there because they have days where it's a lot of darkness as well. Mm-hmm. We don't really deal with that here in Florida because we're so close. Dude, I get upset whenever it starts getting dark at five o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But the summer solstice is actually a really big deal to them over there. Everyone celebrates it. And so she decides, you know, let's just keep on partying. So on June 21st in 1996, when she goes out to celebrate the summer solstice, Mm -hmm. uh, Karina went out with some friends to her favorite nightclub, Zanzibar. Billy Joel wrote a song about this place. Really? Yeah. You've never heard of Zanzibar by Billy Joel? I haven't. That is a fire track. Really? If I've ever heard one. I cannot believe that you've never heard that, Emily. More fire than Tarzan? Emily? Morgan. Emily? Morgan. Philip can really slap hard on a beat, but let me tell you, Zanzibar is something to be unmatched. It's also a bar in Boston at the time. And she, at the time, was 19 or 20 years old. So under... Age. Yes, exactly. Mm. But she did have a fake ID, and it was really easy for her to get into yeah. the club, mm-hmm. basically. I mean... She was pretty. Right. And <laughs> also, like, she looked a little bit older. She looked mm-hmm. like she could have been 21. So you It's can kind pass. of a fine line. Yeah. Like 19 to, like, 23. You're like, mm, are you legal or are you 16? Right. I don't know. Yeah. So she just... Was super easily able to get into the club and was out with friends, partying and having a good night celebrating the summer solstice. Did she get lit? Tell me she got lit. Yeah, she got super lit. She got lit. lit. Yeah, she got super lit to the point of where she was falling asleep, like, all over the place. She was falling asleep in the bathroom and, like, she also was seen falling asleep, like, kind of in the corner against the wall and, um... 
The bouncers saw this, and so they asked her to leave around 3 a.m. You mean the bars aren't closed at 3? So, this is the thing. I've seen, like, a whole bunch of research that kind of varies to where they'll say all the bars close at 2, everything's cleared up by 3. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I guess people don't just, like, leave. Right. You know? But I've also seen other reports of saying that, you know, she left before being kicked out because... Maybe she stayed to try to, like, sober up. They were letting her kind of, like, come back to. They were like, you're probably more safe just sitting here. We'll let you chill out for another hour, and then, like, we all have to go. Basically, there's just, like, a few different reports of, like, she was last seen leaving the bar at 3 a.m. or, like, she was kicked out before then because the bar closed at 2 Mm a.m. I mean, you know how it is, like, downtown Orlando. Like, some bars close at 2, some close at, like, 5. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I was at a bar about a month ago, and it was a karaoke bar, and they were talking about going until 5 a.m., and I was like, it is midnight? Like, I need to be home. (laughs) I cannot be out this late. <laughs> I need to be at least on my couch. Exactly. So after she left, there's been a few different reports. Some people say that she was seen dancing with a homeless man at some point. And that homeless man actually reported that he told her to find her friends because he was really worried about her. Oh, what a nice homeless man. I know, which I mean, like, every article I've ever seen has said that she definitely was dancing with this homeless man, mm-hmm. which I think is just, like, such a cute, wholesome thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like the amount of drunk she would have to be to dance with a homeless man, she's at that point of drunk where you're just happy about everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're just having a good time. You're just dancing and, you know. She's living her American dream. Right, like maybe she's walking home to her loft and see this homeless man mm-hmm. who talks to her about something, and she's like, "Let's have a party. Let's do it. Like, Not do it, but dance." Yeah, I mean, how many times have you been at the club where you're like, "I'm just gonna dance with this random person, no di- like no idea who they are, totally connecting with them. Let's do it." Never have I ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm. I'm positive. So there were also, like, other reports that I saw, too, about how she was apparently, or allegedly, last seen with Herbert Witten, who had a dog that he always, like, walked. I'm pretty sure it was his dog, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, And they were both in Superman shirts, which... Kind of cute. Kind of weird, but, like, definitely an identifying, like, factor. You know right. what I'm saying? The only reason why I say it's weird is the time of night that he's walking his dog in the city. It's just a weird time. But, you know, some people can't sleep. I know the vibes. And then, like, the last, like, creepy report that they kind of got of the only few hints that they got was that one of her guy friends actually said that he last saw her getting into a car with two men. And this car, they, like, the guy friends did not recognize. They didn't know whose car it was. They didn't know who the other two men were. But whenever the guy friends tried to approach the car, the guy, and I quote, said, get away from the car, you little bitch, or I'll crush your fucking head. Which, it's a little threatening. <laughs> it's a little, whoa, buddy. But, uh, <laughs> Calm down. Just a little so, bit. like, obviously, I don't know if 
those guys were trying to protect her or if those were the guys that took her that night or I I really don't know. All we know for sure, though, from all three of those accounts that two days later, on June 23rd, a homeless man was looking through the dumpster and found a very heavy trash bag. So, of course, he was, you know, curiosity got the best of him and he opened it up. And I don't think that he was ready for what he saw. In this trash bag were the top half of the remains of Karina's body. Perfectly cut, perfectly cleaned, no blood anywhere. Which is strange for only half a body. Right. So whenever they end up doing the autopsy and actually examine Karina's body, the people are kind of like dumbfounded. The fact that whoever did this had this much skill because of how perfectly it was cut. It had to be done by an electric saw and it had to be done in a, in another location. Like that wasn't the crime scene. That's right. just where they found her body. The killer also took off her makeup too, right? Yeah. Like he like perf or she, I don't want to yeah. assume any genders, um, like completely wiped down the body. Like there were no, there like literally no blood, nothing for them, police and the investigators to track really wiped off all of her makeup. So we don't even know if it was like disheveled or if you could tell if she was crying or you couldn't get any of that yeah. from that information either. And then like to do all of that and then dismember someone's body perfectly clean like that. It just hashtag psycho. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> exactly. Like that's just such a weird thing. And then there was also strangulation marks. Oh yeah. Which is super weird. Why didn't he put makeup or she put makeup on it to cover it up if like they wanted to leave the body like so perfect. so pristine, you know? Yeah. But I mean you're not gonna have just like random makeup lying around, you know, to like That's true. Put on a body. But just the fact they killed this person then took off their makeup, most likely. I mean, they could have taken the makeup off before, you know. We don't know what happened exactly. But having to kill them, dismember them. And then take so much care to, in taking off their makeup. To completely clean them Ugh. and everything. Like, it's just, it's very weird. It's, it's like a fruit of labor. That takes a long time. So, like, the thing with killing someone by strangulation is that... It's normally seen as kind of like a crime of passion. You know what I mean? Because you don't I just... I feel like that would make sense. Yeah. Think about it. Normally, you want to see someone's life drain out of them if you, like, really hate them or something. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> triggered. <laughs> Please don't kill <laughs> yeah, me, Emily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I am not that type of person. You don't need to worry about it. So, it's normally seen as kind of like a crime of passion, it's really weird for this to be a crime of passion, but also for the, them to have completely dismembered her and dismembered her like so precisely in the one We cannot spot. stress enough. Right. How like you have to look at not pictures, but they have diagrams. I don't know how to explain it. Like diagrams are like fake dummies or whatever, where they like show this is what would happen if they could cut someone with a knife and like saw them. This is what the tissue would look like. And this is what this and this and this will look like. But then they show with the electric saw and they're like, that's a clean look right there. You yeah. know, so someone took care in that. They knew what they were doing. And they obviously knew that not only from the 
clean cut and mm-hmm. knowing this is the one part of the body where you can cut someone in half by only having to cut one bone. That's it. It's just the spinal cord. That's all you have to cut in that one spot. It also was done in a completely separate location. Yeah, so they would have had to done that, which I don't know how long that would have taken, and then brought her back to the city to yeah. dump her in the trash. That's just so weird. Either brought her back to the city or if they owned a place in the city, dumped her body in a different location. Like They found one partial fingerprint, though. Right. Yeah, they found one partial fingerprint on the bag. That's literally it for evidence. That's all. They didn't find any other That is insane to me. Well, you also have to keep in mind this is 1996. But I feel like forensic science, if it's even real. Is forensic science real? (laughs) I think so. I think it is. Um, I feel like have we made that many strides in just a few decades? Yeah. But it's still only a partial fingerprint. That's true. Can't really do much with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that would be like that. too many suspects. Like not being able to like narrow it down enough. Because I feel like people's fingerprints are similar, but they're not the exact same. Right. Or not being able to get like an actual read on it. I mean, true. I genuinely have no idea how that works. So... <laughs> Beats me. Beats me. Forensic yes. science. So the police immediately started getting to work because they had nothing else to kind of like go on. So it was kind of questioning anyone and everyone at that point. Mm-hmm. They received like hundreds of tips at first. And one of them that they actually followed up with was the guy that they knew that she might have been last seen with, which was Herbert Witten. And this guy was actually known for kind of being sleazy. Now, come to think of it, people were kind of like, oh, yeah, guy's kind of a creep. He used to just pick up drunk girls with his dog. That was like his in with girls. Uh... They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, coming home from the club. I I mean, if you shoved a puppy in my face after I came out of a club, I'd probably Mm -hmm. also get in your car. But that's why he would dress up his dog like mm-hmm. himself. It's a conversation right. starter, right. you know, so guy's sleazy. He's he picks up girls. This is what our police really started kind of like laying into him. But mm-hmm. it turns out that he had an alibi. I don't even know if you can really call it an alibi, but he ended up getting a speeding ticket the same day. But it was like hours away from the crime scene and all that kind of stuff, which does it really matter? Because it's not really the crime scene. It's just where her body was dumped. For all we know, she could have been in the trunk, you know? Yeah. Nice guy with his dog. Oh, nothing, sir. Just, you know, got the dog here. So they can't really pin it on him. But there are a lot of issues that we kind of have with this theory of his alibi. I feel like police definitely should have dug into it more. Because again, she could have been in the trunk. He could have been speeding away or to wherever he dumped the body. You know, she could have been not dead yet or dead. We don't know. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't sit right with me. And I don't understand why the police just kind of like, I feel like they just didn't have enough evidence that they could really, really pursue it. So as the police kind of like 
did some more digging because they really couldn't de- detain the guy because, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't really prove anything because technically he had that alibi in his back pocket. Yeah. And he ended up committing suicide a year later, strangely enough. Hmm. Right? Makes you think a little bit. This is while they're like deep in the investigation, really trying to crack who has the bottom half of her body. Yeah. Which kind of makes me sick to think about. Mm. That's just, that's so weird, you know, Mm -hmm. that like, obviously everyone goes through a whole bunch of stuff, you know, on their own. And maybe, maybe because the police started to see such an interest in him, people were talking about him differently Mm -hmm. and like judging him more or something. That's very true. And that just took an emotional toll on him. That he would be accused of doing something like that. Yeah, I can see it. But also suspicious. (laughs) Right. Very suspicious. So after he committed suicide, the investigators kept getting more tips and more tips and more tips. And eventually it kind of ended up on the news. Like it was a really big deal at what had happened. It was definitely a tragedy to have half of a girl, you know, in a trash bag. Yeah. So as word spread, the rat family that she was staying with and living with saw the news and called to see if it was Karina to confirm who the woman was. Right. And as soon as they got confirmation on whether or not it was Karina, they lawyered up. They got all of the armor and defenses up, which they could just be protecting themselves because they're worried that someone's going to try to blame it on them because they're rich and someone wants a ticket, you know, or maybe the family was worried that the family back home would kind of come down on them. But one of the reasons is that Karina actually was an au pair illegally. So you remember how we were talking earlier about how there's like all this extensive government background checks and like all this other stuff and like you have to pay fees and there's an interview process and this and that well Karina kind of just skipped those steps Mm. yeah and the rap family were probably getting her for a deal so they kind of just let it happen because they didn't think that they were ever going to be caught a lot of people speculate that this was probably the reason why they lawyered up but again can't really confirm because there was also rumors going around that possibly Mr. Rapp had gotten Karina knocked up, that they were having an affair. Oh. But I really don't believe it, but, you know, to each their own. So either way, the police ended up um, at the Rapp uh, residents early monday morning due to reports of a dumpster fire on frank and the surrounding neighbors properties but after testing the remains and all the ashes there were no remnants of really anything it was just trash but this added some more suspicion to the family since frank was kind of known as a sleazy guy as well you know rich old guys i guess and there were rumors that again she might have been pregnant with his kid and maybe that's why he cut her where she did like where he did because that would have gotten rid of all the evidence that she was pregnant and any evidence of any type of like sexual trauma or exactly like that yeah exactly that's probably why her bottom half was literally never found yeah believe what you may there are a lot of convincing theories out there for sure But other than that, the case is completely cold. That's as much as anyone really knows. The partial fingerprint and 
the two main suspects. Right. Frank Rapp and Herbert Witten. Frank Rapp never ended up getting, you know, charged for any of these things. And he kind of just like lived a normal life after that. After publicity kind of like cooled back down, he was just a chill guy, you know? So at this point, and I'm going to need you to take over because I get really emotional. Morgan has cried every time. I didn't even say this last part. And she started crying just thinking about it. Hit me. Hit me with it. At the very end of this case, once they've done all of the testing and everything they needed to do on Karina's body. Oh, God. The investigator contacts Karina's father to inform him that they're going to be sending her body back to Sweden in hopes that she can have a proper burial, you know, for the family, for her, and all that kind of stuff. And so, given this information, the father posed the most awful question I think I could ever hear from dad, which is, he said to the investigator, what am I getting back? I can't. I can't wrap my head around that being like a parent's reality my worst fear is to outlive my child right that is my worst fear and i know that parents have to deal with that so like this is a very extreme circumstance do not get me wrong but like having to ask what you're getting back of your child heartbreaking yeah heart-wrenching yeah just rip my heart out take a bite out of it and throw it on the ground yeah in sand absolutely terrible and the investigator is like kind of thrown back by this because i would be too you know i'm really trying to hold back the tears (laughs) i can't imagine being the investigator on the case and one being scarred for life by this beautiful girl that's been murdered brutally yeah people don't see that every day you know women cut in half but then to be on the phone with the father of your victim (sighs) he pulled the short the short straw And then having to say, and I quote, her top half, you're getting her face, her beautiful face. That is so sad. (laughs) And I'm sure like that alone haunts that investigator to this day. Having to say that, having to go through that phone call, having to go through trying to find an answer for this father for this family i I am really messed up by the story this one really got me (laughs) like (laughs) it's just that last line that last line yeah it really gets me (laughs) it's awful i remember when you like first by the way this is not the first time she's told me the ending to this story (laughs) and i cry every time but the first time you dropped that bomb on me i was heartbroken i was like that changed the rest of my day (laughs) and i had to tell kyle because i just couldn't live with the burden of knowing this knowledge by myself because he could he could just tell that something was wrong all day and i was just like babe this podcast that emily and i are doing let me tell you the ending remember that story i was telling you emily told me some really messed up stuff (laughs) and even he was like uh, uh. <laughs> wow and i was like wow meanwhile i'm sobbing 
yeah. I'm telling him. I mean, you definitely have like the parent aspect of that, you know, so you understand. I'm putting myself in, in her dad's shoes. Right. Exactly. Just, what am I getting back? That is just so matter of fact and like what exactly probably what a dad would say being yeah. like i'm gonna hide all of my emotions you know yeah it just uh i relate to hiding all my emotions yeah i'm dead inside it's okay <laughs> morgan cries about everything and i just sit here and console me you don't even console me you just no, let I it just happen. sit here just let me experience the emotion let yeah. it run through me it's like a therapist i'm here if you need me so tonight whenever you get in bed <laughs> curl up with your blanket <laughs> So you have something to cry into. <laughs> I'm sorry that we did this to you right before bedtime or daytime. Yeah, I guess either or. I'm it's sorry we bedtime. did this to you. It's our bedtime. Yeah. So you have to go and uh, curl up in bed tonight mm -hmm. and think about this with your husband. And, and I have to curl up with someone <laughs> or myself. I don't know yet. Yeah. I haven't decided. Yeah. I might sleep alone. I might sleep with Olivia. I might sleep with Dylan. I don't know. I'll figure it out eventually. But Emily, you know the rules here. You know how this works. Oh, right, right, right. Don't, Don't sleep, sleep alone. alone.